It's an era of change, of ideals and cultures constantly colliding. We need brave people who will find the way of hope in the chaos, who will elevate truth in their speech and activate reform in their lives. Lee Sloan welcomes you to this Brave Nation. Well, it's Independence Day 2021, and we're 245 years old, America. And guess what? We're having an identity crisis. I'm not quite so old that I can say for certain whether we've been here before, but this is the most severe crisis that I've ever experienced as a a citizen of America. And we know we're in crisis when we're not sure anymore what the American flag stands for, and so some are not sure that it's a flag that they want to get behind. Now, on my podcast and also in my social media posts, I talk a lot about toxic tribalism. And I think the vernacular of toxic tribalism is really more helpful than talking directly sometimes about racism or sexism or even an extreme partisan politics position. All of these isms, I think, are really a result of the common denominator of toxic tribalism. See, as humans, tribes are a very innate and essential part of who we are. Without our tribes, we can't even clearly define ourselves. Tribes give us a really good sense of belonging, meaning, and purpose. And without any strong sense of tribe, we become lost, and we act in ways that are sometimes savage and even subhuman. Now, years ago, the U.S. was referred to as a melting pot, a place where all tribes and cultures, those tired and huddled masses, came together in pursuit of a better life. And it was sort of understood that they would all assimilate into the dominant culture, and many of them did. Some of the food, the habits, and even the accents of people from all around the world assimilated with one another until something sort of new was born, something that was uniquely American. Some of it resulted in perhaps maybe a Wisconsin accent or a Boston accent or a deep southern accent or a west coast Californian accent. But we developed these subcultures according to sometimes race and sometimes culture that were very unique to America. There were subcultures you couldn't find anywhere else in the world. And so, as my perhaps sociology professor would suggest, that maybe we're not such a melting pot, but maybe we're more of a toss salad, so to speak. For, for some people, the melting pot really worked. Maybe, you know, Chinese would come over and they would change their menu to fit more of the American palate. Or maybe the Italian person would find a way to capitalize on their own stereotypes to make a profit. Everyone just did what they had to do to make it in this capitalist culture that we had. But along the way... As you all know, we had many casualties. There were casualties for those who didn't choose to assimilate. The African slaves and the Native Americans were were among the most noted of these. For those choosing assimilation and came here on their own free will, it it was almost celebrated. But to those who didn't choose it, it became a devastation that actually bled over into the trauma of future generations. Now, lately, I've been learning a little bit about DNA and about how our brains work and how our bodies even process things that we endure. And I don't pretend to understand it all, but the science is really finding out some fascinating things about the way our DNA works. Now, we all know that, you know, 
every the way we think and function is related and coded into our DNA. And of course, that DNA comes from your parents. But what we're learning now is that the DNA you were born with was largely shaped actually by the experience that your parents had and the emotions that they felt even before you were born. And so in a very real sense, your body can actually remember some of that trauma that was experienced by the people in your family tree. Now, of course, what you do with those experiences are up to you. And you have to keep in mind that if you're a parent, biological parent, you're actually, the experiences you have now and the way that you handle them is actually shaping the DNA for your future offspring, which is pretty fascinating. If you keep thinking about it, you realize that so much of the mental and emotional hurdles you've had to face in life were actually first faced most likely by your parents, your grandparents, maybe even your great-grandparents. And that's why the biggest hurdles we face in life are most likely going to lie within us, not outside of us. We can overcome our past generations, but it's not always as easy as it might look to someone else. So back to this concept of tribalism. On the one hand, our tribes give us a sense of who we are, but on the other hand, if we've experienced trauma from one tribe or another, it can cause one tribe to repel another tribe, and it can actually perpetuate cycles of racism and any other ism you can think of. It can cause a tribe to want to rise up and resist another tribe, even to feel pressure to do so out of loyalty for their first tribe. And so it's the cycle of pain that causes endless cycles of oppression. The oppressed then want to become the oppressor, and so on. Back and forth and back and forth. And so something we discussed in our last episode when we talked about critical race theory was the difference between this ultimate goal of either racial retribution, getting back at someone, for what, the, what was done, or racial reconciliation. These are two very different concepts and two ways that people go about this race issue. And it's a very important distinction when we come to how we go about peace and justice. One perpetuates a cycle and one restores it. And I think that racial reconciliation is really the only way that aligns at all with my Christian faith. Now, there are two kinds of intelligences we need to engage in when we discuss these sensitive issues around injustices that we've committed as a nation. The first thing we need to always keep on is love. We have to understand that the place people are in in their pain, we really need to have empathy for, even if we don't carry them ourselves, we have to have empathy for the memories that they carry in their DNA that another person might not carry in theirs even if they didn't experience it firsthand themselves. We, we have to assume, no matter who we are, what color we are, we have to assume that we don't really know anything about someone based on the mere color of their skin. Until you get to know someone, you can't know anything of their struggles or the struggles of their people. You know nothing of how far they've come to this point. And the truth is really not truth without love. Love is what makes the truth have power. Love is what allows the truth to set people free. On the other side of the coin is this. Love is not love without truth. 
there are immutable truths of nature, truths that were created by God and that don't actually change with time. And we can look at these truths unfold throughout history again and again. Truth has a reflexive power. It can be applied in different places and at different times and retain its applicability and its power to set people free. Truth will transcend your particular tribe. See, we need our tribes to survive, but we need truth to set ourselves and our tribes free. And so I believe with America's faults, she was essentially formed on the basis of some really great and essential truths. Truths like the equality and innate value of humankind. Our country was formed for the protection of free thought and expression of speech, of religion, and of creed. This country has risen from a little band of dreamers to a mighty, mighty force in the earth. The ideas of America have made a huge mark on the world with hundreds of countries and and probably thousands and thousands of people groups adopting our principles and seeing them work for them too. However, as America has rushed to the world's center stage, there are those who felt marginalized, angry, afraid, left behind. They've identified more with the horrors of the past than the corrections that we've sought to make. And yes, maybe some horrors of the present. They've distanced themselves from this tribe we call America. This family that's been America for 245 years. They now see this country not as primarily the land of the free and home of the brave, but land of the oppressed and home of oppressors. Is it possible for us to all agree that our past has been modeled with tragedy? Can we agree to be sorry for the things that our leaders and citizens have done at times? And yet, can we also agree that we've made progress, that we've moved forward, we've course-corrected, and we've made tremendous strides. Isn't it true that other nations have also struggled and failed in catastrophic ways and that the longer our history lasts, the more our sins will seem outrageous to us today? I wonder, in fact, how differently our ancestors would look on what we've created today and even how future generations will view this particular moment in history. Do you think We'll be proud of ourselves or ashamed of our participation in it. Groupthink and tribalism plays a much bigger role than most people think in the way that people act. We act less according to our personal convictions and more in accordance with how we're expected to act by our tribes. I wonder if that Olympian who refused to respect the flag at the awards ceremony felt that pressure from her tribe to act the way that she did. And so what happens is the smaller tribe becomes more important than the tribe of her country. The tomato, let's say, in the tossed salad stands apart and says, I no longer identify with this salad. I only want to identify with other tomatoes. The word nationalism gets thrown around a lot these days, and I think nationalism is a word similar to tribalism. It's often colored in a negative light, but in reality, it could be healthy or it could go toxic. 
When a tribe or a nation becomes more important to you than how you treat your fellow man, made in the image of God, you're going to have a problem. When your tribal allegiance causes you to forsake your nation, a nation you chose to represent in the Olympics, it's a good example of when tribalism goes toxic. When the Nazis hailed to Hitler and sang his praises because of national pride while millions of fellow countrymen were dying in concentration camps, that was a really obvious case of toxic nationalism. But when you know your country's imperfect history, and yet you still believe in the underlying principles of truth, justice, and equality, when you believe that it is still alive in America, or in any other country you live in for that matter, that's healthy nationalism. Nationalism, like our representative democracy, is only as virtuous as the intentions and actions of our people. Our nation is not a thing to be worshipped, but it is a thing to be respected, to be treasured, and to identify ourselves with as its citizens. There is a healthy sense of patriotism that says, I love the people of America. I love the principles of equality and liberty so much that I'm willing to lay my life down for them if necessary. I'm willing to lay my life down for this tribe, even those who identify with another subtribe. Because even if we're a tossed salad of this tribe or that tribe, we're better together. It says, I won't elevate my subtribe above another. I'm going to learn to listen, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Americans are my people, whether they're from the city or the country, whether they wear cowboy hats and wave American flags or whether they wear skinny jeans and wave rainbow flags. Do or die, we're in this country together. And we love those around us even when and especially when we disagree. It's actually pretty healthy to think that your team is the best and to actually root for your team. You can appreciate and respect the other teams at the same time. And if you can't root for your team that you're in right now, I hope you can find a team or a country or a people group that you can be proud to call your own so that you can take responsibility for it. Personally, I've lived in the metropolis of Los Angeles, and I've lived in tiny town USA in the heart of Missouri. I've had to overcome some prejudices of my own, and I've learned to appreciate different cultures and differences of opinion and differences of custom. And I don't care what color you are or what background you have or what side of the political aisle you're on. If you're being unfairly attacked and diminished, I hope you can count on me to stand at your side, to speak up for you and help uphold your inalienable rights. On this 245th birthday of our nation, I hope we can look with appreciation on the dream that is the United States of America. America is only as good as we are, and as good as we teach our children to be. Let's live in that hope. Let's be more courageous than ever before about standing for truth, laying our lives down to uphold it and one another. May we renew our commitment to this free and brave nation. Happy Independence Day. And enjoy this song from my very loved aunt and genius singer, Stephanie.